All right, Exodus uh, tonight, Exodus chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, it's a new year for me, just started wearing glasses. My, uh, my wife told me, she said, you know, I, uh, you, know, you know how wives can be, like, helpful? <laughs> she was like, you know, I've noticed your Bible reading it. It sounds like you're struggling. I'm not struggling. She goes, I, I, um, I, I think you need some glasses. Like, I don't need glasses. You know? Everybody in my family's got glasses but me. It's my one trademark, you know? So, um, so we're, in, we're in Walmart. Was it Walmart or Walgreens? She's like, you need glasses. And I said, I don't need glasses. And she goes, well, I'm buying these. I said, you're not just going to grab a pair off the, you know, the reading glasses, you know, just grab one. It's got little numbers beside it. And she goes, I'm just going to grab these and, and we're going to buy them. You try them, see if you, if you need glasses. I'm like, I am not doing that. I said, I don't need glasses. And um, so I said, I tell you what, just, just to prove you wrong, I'll schedule an eye appointment. And, uh, you know, so I went and they had all the charts on the wall, and I'm sitting there, and, and uh, I'm knocking it out of the park, you know. Read this line, I read it, and read the next line, read the next line. And I, I looked at the lady, and I was like, you know, feeling pretty good about myself. And I said, um, I, I, uh, my wife thought I needed glasses, but I, I, I think I'm reading everything pretty well. I don't think I need glasses. And the lady said, oh, no, you need glasses. <laughs> Pop that bubble right there, you know. So anyway, and uh, but it's amazing now. I can kind of see pretty good. I, it's a, <laughs> I just thought this was a small print Bible, you know, this massive Bible. I thought it was small print, but it's it's actually not small print at all now. So Exodus four, are you there? Let me get there real quick. I was going to tell a joke, but my wife says I'm not very funny. Oh, come on, tell it. Now, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it, build up the thing there. and uh... <laughs> Now, I'm saving it for tomorrow. That way, my wife can just cut out and run when I embarrass her, and it's not that funny. I told a joke to our seniors the other day. We have a seniors' luncheon that we do once a month, and I told the joke. They didn't get it. I was like, folks, that was the punchline. <laughs> But that's because of their age, <laughs> not, because of, not because of my joke telling, you know. No that's right, that's right. Everybody's, uh, everybody's young in heart. Exodus 4, um, I want us to look at a passage here tonight, and I'm going to deal with this in kind of a part A and part B, and I just want to tell all of the couples up front that I... I Truly, I'm thankful you're here, and I love you, and I hope that you love me after this session, all right? Because I don't want to ruin your, your weekend, but all joking aside. <laughs> it's kind of a small pulpit here. <laughs> no, but all joking aside, I, I, I love when the Bible takes people and makes them real. You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes you read stories of people and you think, wow, what a great, 
great man of faith or what a great person of faith. And then God gives us uh, an open chapter of their lives and allows us to see, wow, I'm thankful God used them. Because if God can use them, then God can use me. And there's a great story here in Exodus chapter 4, and we'll pick up in verse 18. Uh, does, what time do we end in this session here? Midnight. Midnight. Hope y'all got your popcorn. <laughs> and Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren, which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. The Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go, return unto Egypt, for all the men that are dead which sought thy life. Moses took his wife and his sons, notice it's plural, there's two, and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely, bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. Father, I pray that you might help us to gather some insight tonight, and I pray that you would work in our hearts, that we might learn and grow, and Lord, that we would go forward for the cause of Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to notice in this passage here, probably one of the most exciting times in Moses' life. Moses here would probably have told you that his ability to be used by God was over. Uh, he had some history. He had murdered a man. He had fled Egypt. He had left not on the best of terms. He had um, some past. And now we find this man that had been raised in the very courts of Pharaoh's palace, living as a shepherd in the wilderness among the Midianites and he had married a lady named Zipporah. It was one of the daughters of, of uh, the man that he was staying with, and he was a shepherd there. Understand that a shepherd was pretty um, low as far as the Egyptians were concerned. They looked down upon shepherds, and in an amazing in God's plan that Moses had kind of gone from a hero to a zero. He had gone from the palace to out on the backside of the desert watching sheep, 
But yet God had met him in chapter 3, and what a wonderful chapter it was. If you've ever read that chapter, you know the story about the burning bush and Moses having an encounter with God and God choosing Moses to go to Pharaoh and with the message of let my people go. Moses, the deliverer, he was going to be the one that would, that would bring the, the hope, the message. And so what an exciting time it was in their life. Here they are uh, traveling back. I can imagine Moses excited, nervous, but I can imagine him excited as he, he uh, loads up his wife and his children and his, his two boys, and they're going to go back to Egypt, and God has called them uh, to serve him. And that's an exciting thing in anybody's life. Man, when you get a second chance at life, and God wants to use you, and you look at your life, and you're like, well, why would God use me? I've got baggage, and I've got some pasts, and I've got some failures, and yet God said, I want to use you, and I want you to catch this picture as I get started tonight on this. God wanted to use them as a couple, as a family. By the way, when God calls us and calls people, he calls them as families. Isn't that true? He does. He, you know, even, even we, look at, we look at Adam, and Adam in the garden there had a job, and he was to, he was to uh, uh, tend that ground. He was to, uh, to run that. He was to have dominion over the animals and over this garden, and God had put him there, and then God gave him a help meet. That was one that would be alongside. That would be one that, that would, they would serve the Lord together. What a joy that was to be able to serve the Lord together, to, to, to do that. And I, I think of others in the Bible. You know, you think of Noah. And I know that Noah and his sons built the ark. But I promise you, if you, if you think that Noah's wife didn't participate and didn't have that part of Noah's heart and Noah's dream and Noah's vision. And as he talked about the ark and designed it and had drawings laid out and, and he would share that with his wife and share that with their sons and with their wives, I guarantee you their heart was involved in it. There's no way that Noah's wife and Shem, Ham, and Japheth's wife just kind of sat there feeding all those animals. I guarantee you they, they rolled up their sleeves and jumped in alongside, and they probably didn't say this, uh, that's my husband's ministry, uh, you know, I don't do much. I think they were right there with the same heart and the same passion. So I look at this, and I see this couple excited uh, nervous, going back, and notice in verse 20, Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon, uh, uh, upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt, Moses, and he took the rod of God. Boy, that's a powerful phrase, the rod of God. This was the rod that had turned into the serpent, and he picked it up by the tail. This was the rod of God, not the rod of Moses. It had the power of God on it. It would be the rod that he would extend over the Nile and it would turn to blood. He would hold it over the Red Sea and it would part. It would be the rod that he would hold up and the frogs would come. And, and, and we, would, we would see God empowering judgment upon Egypt through the rod of God. So here he is. It's an exciting day. As they're making their way back, they stop at the uh, Hotel Six. Best Western. It's in the middle of the desert there on their way back. 
And all of a sudden, we see something that takes place. Verse 24. And it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. It's an interesting verse, isn't it? But God had just called him. Now the Lord's going to kill him? Well, let's read on. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. Now, I don't think I'm reading that the exact way that she said it. She throws it at Moses and says, Surely, bloody husband. How many think there's probably a lot of passion built up behind those words? Anger? I don't think the Bible says she tossed it in his direction. She threw it at him. And let's remember that Moses is over there on his deathbed. Doesn't seem like a whole lot of compassion. Truth is, is the Bible is about to give us one of the ugliest moments in Zipporah's life. And I don't think Zipporah is the only person that's got an ugly moment in her life. This is not the failure of just Zipporah. This is the failure of a couple. Now I want to give you a couple of thoughts tonight. We're going to aim at Zipporah tonight. So I hope all the ladies will still still be kind to me in the morning. And I will tell you tonight that we're going to deal with Zipporah tonight just with the setup of this. We'll deal with Moses tomorrow, so don't think this is going to be one-sided because a marriage, it takes two, does it not? It takes two. But I want to just say this. Hear me when I say this. God would not let them go forward until they dealt with everything in the bedroom. There's a public life and there's a private life. You can look one way, all excited at church. What are y'all doing? We're going to go serve the Lord in Egypt. Oh, y'all are such a cute couple. Let me see your prayer card. Oh, these are your two kids? Yes. We just bought this brand new donkey. Oh, we're so excited for you. They looked good. But here God said, no. You're not going any further. Now, I want, you to, I want you to hear me when I say this. You and I can fool everyone outwardly. But God will not put His hand of blessing on our lives until our marriage is right. Is that true? And I, I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen couples, and man, they, they, they smile and play and hold hands and carry the Bible and sit together, but God knows, God knows what's going on at the end. He knows what's going on in the bedroom. He knows the arguments behind closed doors. And in chapter 4, God opens the doors and said, hang on, you're not going to go with my blessing until you settle this. Does everybody make sense here? And, and, and I think this, listen to me when I say this, God is not being mean the work, listen to me, the work was too great for Moses and Zipporah to go and be phony. 
the work of God was too great for them to go and just pretend that they were right on the inside. God said, no, I, I need you to be right, not only to look right, but I need you to be right. And you're not taking another step toward Egypt. And, and I believe this. I believe that God calls us to do great things, but you and I are the hindrance of us being able to do great things. Everybody with me on this? You say, why would God call you? Listen, God can take your life and he can take your marriage and, and he can do a mighty thing. You say, well, I've got a past. God's got grace. God's got power. But, but you, you've got to respond properly in the bedroom. You've got to respond properly in the house. And, and notice here what we've got. We, we've, we've got this woman named Zipporah. And I want to look at Zipporah. And it's interesting to me, I wrote this down. The name Zipporah means this. It means bird. It means bird. The truth is, is that a bird can have a song in the morning or it can have a squawk that drives you nuts. Not trying to be unkind, but it can have both come out of its, out of its beak. And it, it, that the song or the squawk will reflect its nature. Isn't that true? Man, there, there's some birds and man, they're just, they're just chirping away because of its nature and then you've got you know some black crow out there it's just squawking and and it, and it reflects its nature and 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 Zipporah here is about to reveal her nature i want to remind us as we get into this this text here in ephesians chapter 5 of this that that ephesians 5 well take, take your bible and just turn there with me quickly and i'm not going to spend time on there but i just want to review this as we get into this Ephesians 5, and notice here in this passage what the Bible would tell us. In verse 22, it would say this, Wives, submitting yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, notice here in this passage, we understand that the husband is ordained of God to be the head of the home. It's not his choice. It's not a vote between a husband and wife. It's not a vote between a bunch of men. No one on the human race has voted for the husband to be the head of the home. It was an ordained position by an almighty God. God created the husband to be the head. And I want to say this, that the husband is to represent Christ. And I, I, I'm going to deal with this more tomorrow, but he, he has ordained the husband to reveal Christ and to reflect Christ in that home. And then we have the wife, and the wife here is given this, this uh, submission to her husband, and she is a picture of, Christ, of the church. What a powerful thought of the wife who, who is reflecting uh, what redemption is all about, salvation, joy, praise, uh, as, she, as she submits to her husband, uh, and as, as Christ is to submit to the 
authority of, of Christ. And so we understand here the husband and wife, and, and please, please don't walk out of any session like this and come to this conclusion. Well, I think God loves men more than women. That's not the case at all. By the way, this is from the words of Christ, and this is amazing to me when I read Romans and I find that, that I am a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would anybody agree with me that I do not deserve to be on the same platform with the Lord Jesus Christ? Nor do you. And so when I look at that and I think, why, why would God look to me as, as a joint heir with Jesus Christ? What, why would I even have any position on that? And I want to just challenge you with this. Listen to me. The, the husband and the wife, it's not because that the husband is God's favorite. He loves men more than he loves women. No, that's not the case at all. The case is that God has ordained both to function in their own way. We would even read 1 Corinthians and we would find that the head of Christ is God. Do you know that Lord Jesus Christ has someone that is above him in authority and that's God the Father. We would all agree that God the Father and God the Son are co-equal, would we not? We, we wouldn't say that one is, is more powerful than the other, one is better than the other one. Well, I like God the Son more than God the... No, I like God the Father more than God the Son. Uh, we would be careful not to say that, but we understand that for function, there is order and authority, and in your home, God created man and woman in His image. Both were created in His image, um, Please don't think that Amy's prayers are less than my prayers and my prayers are more than hers because I'm a man, I'm the head of the home and she's, she's, she's just the body and she's the heart of the home and she's just be supposed to submit. No, that's not the case. Her prayers are just as valuable in the sight of God as my prayers are. But for function's sake, God has set up a, a set of authority and he has allowed, I've said it in many ways like this, that the husband is the head and the wife is the heart of the home. And we find here that, that when these two are submitted and right with God, it's a beautiful picture. It's a powerful picture. They were going to work as one. God was calling them and sending them to one of the most hopeless societies. Israel had been enslaved for 400 years. Do you, do you understand what an what a opportunity this was for them? Do you understand what a privilege this was? Where are you going to send us? I'm going to send you to a people who have no hope. Us? You. You're going to go as a team. Man, that's exciting. We're, we're, we're going to go and bring this message that, that God's heard their prayer. I want you to go with the rod of God. The only thing that's going to stop you is you. You're the only thing. Pharaoh can't stop you. A thousand chariots and horses can't stop you. All the diseases and plagues of Egypt can't stop you. But you're arguing, Ken. They'll crush you. Does everybody get the picture of, of this? 
So let's, let's flip back real quickly to Exodus. And I've got to hurry because I've only got till midnight. <laughs> so notice what we find. I want you to notice here as we look at this passage in Exodus chapter 4 that Zipporah, who has been called to go in this way, is about to have one of the great struggles. Or let me just say this. God is going to bring up her struggle. I've often heard this statement. Maybe you've heard this as well. You bring out the worst in me. Anybody ever heard that? You just know how to punch my buttons. Only what's in you can be brought out of you. If I take a tea bag and put it in hot water, what do you think is going to be in the hot water? Tea. Because only what's in the bag is only what's coming out of the bag. And if you've got bitterness and anger and malice in you, then that's all that's going to come out of you. But if you're full of grace and forgiveness and joy and the Word of God, when you're put in the hot water... It's amazing what will come out of you. Isn't that true? Here's Zipporah. Moses is not bringing the worst out of her. This is simply what's been in her all along. Now, I, 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 will, I will say a couple of things here just to Zipporah's defense. I don't want to beat her up too much tonight, but we want to look at this open picture. But to her defense, it's interesting that they come from two different cultures. Circumcision probably didn't make a lot of sense in her family. It wasn't in her background. It's not how she was raised. You're a Jew, I get that. It's important to you, but we're, we're not like that. So we find almost a picture right at the beginning of two different backgrounds and, and, and some of the conflict that can come with that. She didn't understand the ways of Moses. She, this God Jehovah was new to her. This, this word of the Lord was something different to her. She, she wasn't aware of these things. And here is Moses trying to lead her and try to uh, uh, teach her and show her the importance of, of uh, circumcision and worship and, and all of these things. And it's, it's pretty much a new chapter in her life. Everybody with me on that? So we find here in this passage that God has put some leadership in her life and we find that she resists the leadership that God had placed in her life. As a matter of fact, listen to me, submitting to the husband, submitting to the God, that, that was almost a foreign concept. And instead of Moses and God and the Word of God being her, her guide, because let's understand something. It wasn't Moses' idea to circumcise. This has been going on for more than 400 years. They've been in Egypt for 400 years. But for more than that, all the way back to the patriotic of Abraham, uh, circumcision had been instituted. And let's just understand what circumcision was. Circumcision was a, a sign of the covenant. It was a sign that, that they were God's people. They were uniquely God's people. And, and this was something that God 
had once again commanded that his people identify themselves as, as being holy unto the Lord and, and, and they were to be to their God. And so circumcision was a sign of what we would call the covenants that God had made with them. And so let's understand this. Circumcision was a big deal. It was a very big deal because of what it represented. It represented a sign of a covenant that God had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and with their children. And she quite didn't understand the importance of God being God in her life. Did everybody hear what I just said about that statement? She didn't understand the importance of God being God in her life. Instead, her guide would not be the Word of God. It would be her insecurity. Her emotional feelings for her son would not allow her to have him endure this pain. Now, here's what we find interesting about this story. Two sons. Did you know that one of them had already been circumcised? It wasn't both of them that needed to be circumcised. It was only one. Apparently, this baby, mama had said, well, you know, let's, let's, I don't want to put him through this. I don't know. But for some reason, they had circumcised the oldest. It was the youngest that had not been circumcised. And somehow, you know how babies can wrap themselves around mama's heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And she heard her baby cry and said, no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my foot down. I'm not going to let my child suffer. And maybe that's a good argument, but she had allowed her insecurity to be her guide instead of the Word of God. Well, I really feel strongly about this. And her feelings became the guide of her heart. Her response shows that she was adamantly opposed to Moses' circumcision. You say, how do you know that she was adamantly opposed to it? Anybody remember what she did with the foreskin once she had taken a rock and cut it off? What'd she do with it? She threw it at him. You think that was a message? How many think that was a message? Yep. Absolutely. You know what it meant? I didn't want to do this and you're forcing me to do something I do not want to do. Don't understand me. You don't care about me. You don't care about my feelings. Ouch. And all of a sudden, her feelings and her fear would lead their house. Not the Word of God, and especially not Moses. Anybody see how dangerous this is becoming for their household? Yeah. Her feelings and emotions, listen to me when I say this phrase, her feelings and emotions would become superior to Moses' position and to the word of the Lord. I can hear Moses. Well, I think we ought to circumcise uh, our youngest son. Why? Well, that's what our family's been doing for over 600 years. Well, I just don't understand that. And I just don't feel that way. And I feel that, 
you know, I, I, he, it, I just saw what he did to the first one. And I, 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 does everybody see her emotions becoming lead? Taking the driver's seat? Her guide became her insecurity. Let me say this. Her guard became this. Take control. Take control. All of a sudden, Moses is not in control. Now, it would appear outwardly that Moses was in control. He's the one with the rod of God in his hand, right? But you know why this boy has not been circumcised? Because Moses is trying to pamper her insecurity, her feeling and her fear, and he's trying to, he's trying to maneuver this, and so he has backed off, and all of a sudden, she must stay in control. You say, well, I don't trust Moses. Be careful. What you're really saying is you don't trust God. Because God's the one that said this, and God's the one that called, and God's the one that led. And, and, and somewhere, there's, a, there's something bigger here. There's a battle that's, that's going on. She, she, we find here that she had... If I can say it this way, she had manipulated Moses. Maybe, maybe she had pushed Moses around, but for some reason, uh, she, she had become the dominant leader in their house. Let me say it this way. Moses, listen to me when I say this. Moses was able to stand before Pharaoh and all of his court, but he was never able to stand before his own wife. Am I getting that picture? She's a powerful woman. Outwardly, it looked like Moses was the leader. But it was just a show. She was strong. She was, she was strong-willed. And her security and her guard was this, I must be in control. To maintain the control, the Bible gives us what would take place. That she would be louder and sharper than her opponent's. She knew how to use her words well. It was not a knife that struck Moses. It was her words. A bloody man thou art to me. Not a good man you are to me. Not a loving husband you are to me. Not a great provider you are to me. But a bloody husband thou art to me. Punch him when he's down. And he was down. By the way, anybody remember where Moses is at? Not just the place he's at. Where is he at physically? Where is he at? He's on his deathbed. I've not been on my deathbed, but I would think that'd be a pretty scary moment. I think it'd be a pretty lonely moment. I think it would be pretty frightening to be laying on your deathbed, I don't know, maybe at a temperature of 106. Maybe, maybe he can't hold anything down. Maybe feels maybe, obviously he knows he's going to die, and this is how strong it was. This is this is how far God had to go to move Zipporah. That's pretty far, isn't it? She would be louder and sharper than her opponent. You know what's interesting about this? Does anybody know? Does anybody know who had the last word of the conversation? You can answer out loud. She did. She got the final word in. Well, I want to be heard. 
you are heard. By the way, she's not only heard, think about this, she's recorded for all eternity. I wonder, I wonder if God has recorded some things I've said for all eternity. That would be pretty embarrassing, wouldn't it? Yeah, this is Carrie Nance. He was a pastor for 16 years in Tampa, Florida, Southside Baptist Church. And we're, we're going we're gonna to just play a moment of, of his, his and Amy's um, life in the best Western hotel. <laughs> and I'll be like, whoa, shut the camera down. <laughs> I, I didn't think God was going to record that forever. I just thought I could say what I wanted to say and do what I wanted to do and be what I wanted to be. And, uh, but it's bigger than that, isn't it? It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. She would have the last word. She would always be in competition for control, competing for the upper hand. And this is where she probably would say, well, I feel secure because I just don't trust Moses. I just don't trust him with this. And her submission was only when Moses went along with her ideas and thoughts. I want you to notice the tactics of rebellion. Say, Brother Nance, I'm not liking this lesson tonight. This is not a very good one. But I think it's one that will help us to go all the way to Egypt. Notice, notice the tactics. She was taking a role, think about this just for a second, she was taking a role that, was, that did not belong to her. Notice her rebellion. Her rebellion was this, it was, it, it was an appearance of submission when they were in public, but there was rebellion when they are in private. There is nothing said when she was loading up the two sons on the ass. In verse 20, there's no argument about going to Egypt. I don't have a problem going to Egypt. I don't have a problem serving the Lord. Just don't touch my baby. And when that issue was there, then came out the heartache and the heartbreak. We've talked about her response. You'll notice her words, that she would respond with words that would reveal the level of bitterness and anger and pain in her heart. Now, I'm going to be honest, I, I, I don't know what she's gone through. I don't know her past. She may have been hurt. She may have an injury. She, she may have a fear that's really real in her life. But no doubt, her response is this. What was in her heart is now coming to the surface, which tells me she's not living by grace. She's missing out on the power and the ability of God. She would tear down Moses. Poison would spew out of her lips as she would do everything she could to emotionally hurt him and with her hurt words, hope that they would land blows not upon his face, but land blows upon his heart. Her security... And her happiness would be the thing that she would live for. And we find here that her obedience, in her obedience, 
was missing something called honor. We talked about that in the first session, didn't we? Let me ask you a question. Did Sephora circumcise their son? Yes or no? Yes. Did she comply with the word of God and obey? Yes. Is there honor? No. It's a missing ingredient. You'll find here that her protest was not against Moses. I want you to listen to me. It was not against Moses as much as it was against God. It was God that had commanded the circumcision. And God was not going to let them take another step toward Egypt until they dealt with the issue buried in their marriage's heart. Say, Brother Mance, do you think this is real in marriage? I sure do. I had a family that just got saved about, about three, four weeks ago. And uh, God's been rapidly working in their life. They were not planning to get married. They've been living together for two years, and they've come to a, several services and got saved. And after they got saved, uh, they were talking to me, and I was talking to them about baptism. And I said, well, you need to get married get that right before God. And they said, okay. And so they said, well, we're, we're, we're going to do that. We're going to get married. We're going to get married. And so I, I talked to them. And they said, well, we're going to get married in about a year. And I, they said, what do you think about that? And I said, uh, and they, they, they've got some family in Jamaica and they want to kind of bring them in. And I said, well, you need to start thinking about what would please the Lord and where you're at before God. And I started showing them some things about how they're living and how God looks at this now. And so they've changed it from not even thinking about getting married to getting married to a year to now they're getting married in 30 days. And they are excited. They want to get baptized and they just want to get involved. And so they texted me this week and said, uh, Pastor, can we talk to you? I said, sure. So they came in Wednesday night, and uh, some of the past has been boiling to the surface. You know, it's funny, when you get right with God, God starts doing just this. He starts bringing up your past, doesn't he? And uh, they started dealing with some things, and they got into an argument, and it got nasty. Have you ever heard of an argument getting nasty? And... and uh, She's sitting there and she's telling me, and not, not in a bragging way. She's like, Pastor, I, I really got out of control. She goes, I started talking to him. and She goes, he just shut down and wouldn't talk to me. And she goes, I just took it like he's dishonoring me and he, he's just tuning me out, doesn't even want to talk. And I said, we need to talk. And he wouldn't talk. So he's like, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to talk. So he went in the bedroom and got in bed. She goes, I'm out fuming because I think we need to talk this through and he doesn't want to talk. So I go in there and I said, you're not asleep. So I took a pillow and I hit him in the head. And he said, he acted like he was asleep. She said, then I pulled all the pillows off the bed. I said, you're not asleep. He said, he acted like he was asleep. She goes, then I went and got a big old thing of water and poured it all over him. They're not asleep. 
He said he still wouldn't talk to me. So then I kicked him out of bed, dragged him on the floor. And she said, I went in the living room and I said, God, I need help. Because I don't like the way I'm acting. Not the way he's acting, but I don't like the way I'm acting. I don't want this in my life. This is not what I want to be. She said, I just got in my Bible. I'm talking about a brand new Christian. She goes, I was just so upset with what I was doing. And she said, I just started reading the Bible. And I thought, well, that's a great sign. She goes, I just said, God, can you, you help me? She says, he finally came out. And we started talking. And she says, you know, Pastor, we, we don't want to be this ugly. She said, I sat there that night and I just felt like it was the first time in my life that I had ever humbled myself. And she goes, once I humbled myself, we stayed up till five o'clock and we just talked about it. And we just, we just, we just really want to do right. I said, so why are you here? She goes, well, I'd already called you two days before, so we thought we'd keep the appointment. You and I have the tendency to be a supporter. We have that tendency in us. I want you to notice something tonight. And, and, and you know, when we justify and we... Li listen to me. I'm going to tell you this. God is going to force everyone in this room to deal with issues that are not known publicly, but only privately. God's going to force you because He wants you to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He knows that when you determine not to live by the power of your flesh, but by the power of grace, Pharaoh can't stand in front of you. Does everybody understand that? But when you and I lock and load and plant and say, I'm not giving in. That's the marriage that really misses out. I had a couple one time that came to me and they said, uh, Brother Nance, living in the same house, we have not talked to each other in over three months. Am I telling the truth, Amy? You know what my response was? Shame on you. That's three months of your life you'll never get back. But I'm hurt. Shame on you. You'll never get it back. And who knows what God could do with your life. I, I, I want to close, and I just, I just want you to see... I want you to see something. Take your Bible and turn with me to Exodus 18. So Exodus 18, here we are. 
Moses has gone to Egypt. We've had the Ten Commandments, the flies, the frogs. They've come out on the Red Sea. Notice with me in chapter 18. When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took... Who's, what's that say? Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back? After he sent her, he sent her back? And her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien in the strange land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for the God of my father said he was mine help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife, and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness, where he encamped at the Mount of God. And he said to Moses, I thy father-in-law Jethro am come unto thee with thy with thy with thy wife and her and her two sons with her. What? What? No, 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 no. They, they, they were supposed to go together. Remember, they, they, they bought the mule, the donkey, the ass. Remember, they rode it up. They had the rod of God. Remember the, the great vision? Remember, they, they, were, they were supposed to go together. They were supposed to serve God together. She was supposed to watch the deliverance alongside of Moses together. Is everybody getting this? She, she was supposed to be the cheerleader. You remember chapter 6? When Pharaoh said, I know not the God and You've got to make more bricks, and by the way, you don't get any more hay or stubble. You've got to find your own. Do you remember that? And they all came back to Moses and said, you, you, You've made us to stink in the, in the eyes of Pharaoh. You remember how lonely and, 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 and dejected Moses was? Zipporah, that, that was your opportunity. Say, Moses, let's, let's pray. Don't, don't you give up. God called you, Moses. Don't, don't you give up. We're, we're, but we're going to do this together, Moses. You keep your eyes on God. I, I know. I've been praying for you, Moses. I've been praying for you. Don't, don't you give up. We're, we're going to... She wasn't there. She wasn't there. The ten times that Moses came back defeated because Pharaoh had reneged in his words. She, she wasn't there to see the Nile turn to blood. She wasn't there when they had the heap of fog. She wasn't there to see the darkness all over Egypt and how God... God kept it light in the land of Goshen. She, she wasn't. She missed out. And that was her reward. That was her reward. She missed out. 
And that was her reward. So Zipporah, um, did, you, did you have any idea how big it was going to be in Egypt? Uh, not really. I just, all I knew at the time was that this, this rod turned into a snake. You didn't know about the pile of frogs and how, did you, did you know about the Red Sea when it was going to part and everybody was going to walk across? Did you have any idea? No, I, I didn't know about that. Did you see it? No, no, I, 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 did, I didn't see that. I didn't get to walk across on that dry ground. Oh, did, did, were, you, were you there when it, when it closed in and killed all of the Egyptians and the horses and the chariots? Were you there when they sang the song of Moses? Were you there? Did you, did you get to sing with them? No, I, 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 miss, I miss that too. So, why... why Why'd you miss all of it? What, what was the big deal? Well, I, I was upset because they circumcised my baby. You missed all of that? I did. And what, 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 was the big, what was the big injury that you had that caused you to miss all of that and well, I, I just didn't feel it was right what they were doing, and I didn't agree with circumcision. And is everybody getting a picture here? Yeah. What a reward. She really missed out. I met some homes. I've met some ladies. I've met pastors' wives full of bitterness. They've missed out. Missed out on a big deal. Missed out on life. Don't miss out. Life's too short. God is too great. You say, we got something we've been fighting about. Get it resolved. Get the grace of God in there. Say, so, well, God's kind of God's got us stuck at the best Western. And you will be stuck. I've seen families stuck for years. Let me tell you something. Get the sin right with God. Egypt's too great. God's glory's too big to miss it. Father, I pray tonight that you might use this lesson in this life tonight to just kind of help us to understand. Lord, thank you for allowing us to see the two times in Scripture that Zipporah is mentioned. Lord, she's not mentioned in the Hall of Faith. She's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture but these two times. And God, I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us that we would not miss out on the blessings of God. I pray that you would help us tonight to learn to lean upon you and that we would follow your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.